1: Travelers down Thunder Road, it's us, Days of Thunder, the WCW Thunder Rewatch podcast that you didn't ask for, but we did anyway, coming to you as part of the Voices of Wrestling podcast network. I'm your host, your debutante on Thunder Road, Dave Ryan, and I am joined by my faithful co-host, Stagger Lee Malone. Lee, it's a new dawn, it's a new day. What's up?
2: <laughs> it's a new digs, it's a new home. Yeah. It's new surroundings, it's it's new listeners, It's it's all new. And S- same old same show. old thunder. <laughs> same old shite. Yeah, man. We're we're here. We're on the VOW Podcast Network. It's finally
1: happened. Uh we've been talking about it for a month. Uh we announced, you know, we we kinda teased it that it that it was happening over the Christmas period and we finally arrived. Great to be here. Um I suppose uh, we should, uh, although, like you know, our existing listeners will probably be bored to tears by this bit. Reintroduce ourselves a little bit. Well, uh,
2: well, you know what? Let let's treat our listeners like um, every WWE fan is treated by Michael Cole and Corey Graves every week and going, These two people right here, these host a podcast <laughs> called Days of Thunder. <laughs> And you are listening to the Days of Thunder podcast on the V.O.W. podcast network. <laughs> I, thought
1: you, I thought you were going to do the thing, uh, the nice version, which is, you know, the Stan Lee theory that every comic book is someone's first comic book. But no, you went for the let's do the WWE thing and treat existing listeners like idiots instead. Oh,
2: fucking absolute morons. <laughs> <like>. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, I, I suppose for our, our new V.O.W. listeners, uh, we're happy to be here. We are Days of Thunder. Um we are a podcast that started 3 years ago um and our mission was to see if by just watching thunder Uh, we could make sense of Latter-day WCW. So we watch all the Thunders, we watch all the pay-per-views, and see if we can follow. Um, So far, Lee, how would you characterise the journey we've been on? We have gone from the first show at the start of January 1998 to now we are in February 1999.
2: I'd say we got lost sometime around the third episode in January 1998. (laughs) Um yeah. now look I know look. but I know by
1: episode five we were drinking. <laughs> and we turned that into a
2: gimmick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um but yeah now look, it became a very apparent very earlier on that thunder did not really matter in the larger landscape to WCW higher ups. Now we have great fun watching it. Yeah. And we hope that everyone else has great fun watching along with us.
1: Yeah. And look, we like to think on this show that we're we're not just the kind of standard, like, let's just, you know, spend um, a couple of hours every couple of weeks uh, recording a podcast where we exclusively dunk on things. Because something that has united the two of us as friends over the years, Lee, is that we're able to find um, the gold in amongst the, the muck. We're able to Mm -hmm. revel in stuff that's good. We're also able to enjoy ourselves with things that are less than good. Um, And one of the kind of the mission statements of the show, even though we may not have ever said out loud in the show, is to try and recover... That sense we had as as children watching wrestling that like regardless good, bad, or indifferent, we can always find something that we enjoy one mm-hmm. way or the other, and I think we you know there have been individual shows and moments that have driven us up the fucking walls, and we're not going to you know sugarcoat <laughs> when we don't like something or, or lie about it, but at the same time, I think we found a lot more on this on this journey down Thunder Road that that we appreciated than we thought we would.
3: Oh
2: yeah, only like a year into the run, and we, I think we were surprised by some of the stuff we enjoyed, and that had been yeah. forgotten about in time, Like that is just yeah. really just not talked about at all by fans. Like it, it's kind of like you said, buried in the muck. But we, we like to find those little, those little truffles, those you know things yeah. that are buried deep in the ground. We will find them, like the Raven Saturn Field, like yeah. um. DDP's promos where he's promising to bang the fuck out of everybody Yeah, <laughs> um, we will find these good mo- moments yeah DDP and TRL threatening to
1: bang people yeah. it's all here so. Um, yeah so we'll be coming to you once every two weeks with a new episode of Thunder or a pay-per-view depending on what comes up next in the timeline we're doing it all chronologically um we have a couple of other kind of mini series we do which you'll see pop up from time to time as we go forward we're going to kind of stay on the critical path for our first few shows on on vow just so that you can kind of get used to the vibe of the show but we're happy to have everybody here uh i'm really excited going forward for this uh also do you know if you listen to the show you like the show uh we've got a whole hell of a lot of content for you to dig back on um the, the the absolute boy rich craig has gone and helped us import all our old shows into our red circle feed um so you can go back and indulge yourself with uh days of thunder from the very beginning should you so wish um you know more power to you <laughs> uh but anyway good luck <laughs> uh, yeah yeah best of luck with that guys um so the two notes I want to add at the, the top of the show. Um, firstly, I want to do a plug for something uh, new we have uh, to do with the show. And that is that we have a channel on the VOW Discord now, um, which mm-hmm. I know VOW listeners who are active on the Discord will have seen probably by now that we popped up there just around the time we made the announcement that we were moving. Um Please do come over there, join the Discord, hop into our channel. Uh, I think me and Lee are going to be like in and out, you know, uh, with some thoughts as we're watching the shows. And I think, Lee, mm-hmm. it's a, you know, we love interacting with people on Twitter at WCW Thunderpod, by the way. Um, we love interacting with people on Twitter, but I think Discord is really good for like an actual back and forth conversation about a show or about what we're doing on the podcast.
2: Yeah, I found in my, like, I pop into the Discord semi regularly, probably not as much as I should, because there's some great, there is some great channels and conversations that actually go on on the VOW Discord. Um, But yeah, like, it's so much better than Twitter for, like, long form discussions about stuff, because it's like, you can see when when somebody's replying to you, you get that instant thing of, oh, such and such is replying, Dave is replying, Dave is replying, whatever it is. And you can have those kind of forum style discussions. Like the like
1: like the bad old days of forum mm-hmm. posting. Um Post gonna uh, post. The, uh, <laughs> yeah. The the other thing I wanted to mention is in terms of our RSS feed. So if you're subscribed to our old RSS feed, nothing should change for you. But if you are one of the listeners who listens to us just on the SoundCloud player, um, you may have to go seek us out on another platform because now that we've been imported into Red Circle Uh, It's on the Red Circle RSS feed that our shows are going to get posted going forward. So you will notice that the new shows aren't showing up on our SoundCloud channel. So apologies if that applies to you. But if you go to our Twitter, at WCW ThunderPod, you'll see in the bio, I have our link tree, our brand new link tree, Lee, I, I set up this week. And that will give you... All the links uh, to the VOW Discord, to a bunch of different platforms. You su- can subscribe to us on uh, to the RSS feed itself. So, whatever way you prefer to digest the show, um, it is available for you at our link tree. Um,
2: so that's that's all the the front of office stuff done, really, isn't it? <laughs> that that's the big introduction done. I think people know why we're here, what we're what yeah. we're about.
1: There's one overdue bit of. Uh, a bit of uh, Twitter discussion I actually wanted to get to on the show. It's somebody I meant to give a shout out to a month ago on the show. But like, you know, we say that the listeners, our Thunder buddies on this show, do um, Trojan work sometimes, digging up stuff for us that that, uh, give us a good laugh. Mm -hmm. But uh, one of our listeners, Kim Geist, over Christmas, went ahead and decided they were going to try and trace the entire... Linear history of the martial arts division championship, Uh, a championship that we crowned originally uh, when WCW invented a martial arts division and then gave up on it.
2: So we now have the linear
1: martial arts division champion.
2: I, I think they created it around late '97 and had dropped it by the end of January '98. Yeah, but us being the you know good Thunder fans that we are, we decided to create the linear championship to carry on the the legacy of the Martial Arts Division.
1: Yeah. Uh, when it changes hands, we read out the role of honour to that point, but uh, for your listening interest, the current Martial Arts Division champion is Scott Steiner. Uh, and we will let you all know when a Martial Arts Division title match does take place. But uh kim guys without ruining who uh, holds it at the end of wcw or anything like that because that was i was going when i saw kim say that i was kind of afraid it was going to be spoiled for me where the the title hmm. was going to go and i didn't want to see that but what kim did was go all the way up to right now uh which is really interesting so i'm just going to read this because this is this is awesome uh okay i spent the evening tracing the linear title history of the mad title Uh, It spent years in WWE, unified with big gold, Uh, both the WWE and WCW versions of that belt. Had a brief fling in the European indies. Uh, It got won by Gangrel, hot potatoed around the Canadian indies, a long time on the Alabama-Kentucky circuit, followed by moving up to New York. Several times a TNA or future AEW guy captured the title, which gave me hope it was getting out of indie hell, but it never does. By my calculations, it's currently held by a guy called Carl Jepson. Gangrel was a two-time <laughs> martial arts division champion. Triple H has the record of title reigns with four bad title reigns. Uh, oh, an Jesus. aptly named guy called Thunder wins it on the indies at one point, which I think is, is great stuff altogether. But that is incredible. I actually must ask Kib uh, if they wouldn't mind like DMing us if they have like the whole like the, championship the role of honor. Because yeah. I would like to kind of keep that locked in a folder on my drive and then, you know, when years from now we finally get to the end of Thunder to, to crack that one out and go through the full journey of where it goes after WCW will be really interesting.
2: But um, But Dave as as we know I like to change the uh, rules regarding the Martial Arts Division Championship on a whim. So, Uh, you know. Lee,
1: Lee, (laughs) Lee, within a few months, uh, you're going to fuck this up, royally. Oh, yeah. And I know that. I know that. But we can at least enjoy the dream while it lasts. Anyway, buddy, before we get into uh, our episode of Thunder this week, which, by the way, is the 50th episode of Thunder to be broadcast, which is fucking wild. Um, But Mm -hmm. here we are nonetheless Uh, I want to ask you What beverage you've
2: got with you this evening Well Dave As you and long time listeners know I just had a new baby over Christmas So unfortunately I'm still Having a dry January I've not had a drink And I'm still just sipping away on
1: some water here And uh, I Being the friend that I am uh, Will continue to make it up for you By having doubles uh, and i am having a a double Jemison black barrel uh with a coke Z you know a, a fine considering, beverage a fine art we are here on voW i suppose it's uh we need to get on the record about these things Lee. Mm-hmm. and we are officially a pro coke Z podcast um but maybe controversially for uh for joe we are a pro apples podcast as well <laughs> I had a delicious Granny Smith not minutes before recording this show. Um, So, you know, you win some, you lose some, I guess.
2: I mean, I'm not pro-apple, but I don't hate apples. Uh,
1: Yeah, not nearly as much anyway. (laughs) Um, Right, let's do this. Thunder, episode 50. This is um, the second half of a double shot from the Providence Civic Centre in Rhode Island. Broadcast date, 11th of February, 1999. We're 10 days away, Lee, from Super Brawl 9. Um, How do you feel the build has been going so far? Because I'm actually... It's the first in a couple of pay-per-views that I can feel the build and I'm actually you know regardless of what the actual matches are i i
2: feel like super brawl is a big deal i think they've done a good job i think they did a good job last year for super brawl as well um yeah like we said it so, sold out 98 felt like just totally unimportant when they decided yeah. not to do hogan sting rematch on it and push it yeah. super brawl and they did the same basically this year they kind of sold out
1: feels like it we're contractually obliged to do a pay-per-view around this
2: time we don't have stuff ready for it yes yeah we're, we're we're building to the the next pay-per-view which you know really kind of plays into the why didn't they just do six pay-per-views a year and they would have built everything properly anyway um but yeah no super all super all nine feels like a a decently built pay-per-view i think a lot of the matches get mentioned on this show and they've all got fairly really, fairly really kind of logical decent builds i feel
1: yeah, and not only that, but I think, you know, and we will get into it on this show, I think they've started to put together some good packages mm-hmm. to sum up some of these feuds, or at least to paper over the, the gaps in these feuds. Um. So yeah, I, I feel, on the whole, a pretty decent job, and even though it's not been a great month for Thunder, I, I feel it reminds me kind of like the old NXTs, where, do you know the way the gap between... Um, takeovers yeah. when they were really big it's like it, it felt like an aimless show and sometimes a bad show and then maybe three to four weeks before the, the takeover they'd finally get it together and this is what it feels like we're ten days out and now like they're promoting the shit out of it and it feels like this show has a bit of direction uh, and I feel yeah, like I like, understand like, uh, why matches are happening on the show
2: yeah like eight weeks before a takeover you'd be getting t- Titus O'Neil on an undefeated streak and then, like, yeah. about three weeks before the pay-per-view, he'd lose a number one contenders match to fucking Cesaro or something. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, no, they, uh, they do. They, I think they've been pretty decent in how they've built. And, I mean, we're kicking off with... Uh, we're being promised three matches in our WCW tag team tournament. So- sorry, Lee. That's not what we... That's not Oh, what that's sorry. That's not with. what we start the show with. Sorry, I was looking at we, the matches.
1: Yeah, we start the show with a cold open... Uh, and the Thunder debut of one Tori Wilson um, And she is kind of your So these, these segments are weird And there's like four of them mm-hmm. I think on the show And it's like it's first person point of view And Tori is interacting with you The point of view character Even though it's obviously a cameraman um, And look there are a lot of very cheap jokes, very easy, like open goal. That this is very pornally shot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. D- well, um, do you know what I was going to say? Oh, we're a classy <laughs> show. <Lee. laughs> we are. Cla- we are as classy as like a dimmer switch in the bathroom. That's how classy we are. <laughs> dimmer switch in the bathroom.
2: Fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, this is quite the introduction for young Tori. And uh, I mean, Tori was, I think she was like 20 at this stage. Yeah. Um, But she's been made to look like a fucking mid 30s kind of yeah. cougar type. It's weird. Yeah.
1: So Tori's going to be with us for like the, the whole rest of the run of, of WCW. Um, Which is a good thing. You know, and yeah. You know, um, obviously for uh, young gentlemen of our age, a. An an important figure in our adolescence, <laughs> in, in a lot of ways. That's, that's, that's the most gentlemanly way you can put it, I guess. Fucking ham-fisted
2: way of putting it. <laughs>
1: yeah, I know. Um, but something I, I suppose she's um one of these kind of figures that I don't think she ever got kind of her. good her, her, Yeah, she never got, like, okay, look, I'm not going to for a second go. She was a good wrestler or anything like that. But she was somebody who was put in very particular roles, obviously, throughout her entire career. But one, she's somebody who actually showed a good bit of personality during her career and was somebody that, like, no matter what sort of often degrading shite they gave her, She made the most out of it And became like a relatively household name Um, And two Is one of those people And I always like to put a bit of focus on them One of those people that You know, years after her career ended, I don't know anybody that has a bad word to say about her. Like everybody said she's like the nicest, you know, most friendly person backstage. Everybody had great things to say about her. And I remember when she got her her Hall of Fame induction and, you know, she made the same kind of gags we did. about you know, like the young men that were watching the show when she was on it and stuff like that. But um, I remember a lot of wrestlers when she got inducted. Kind of been like Oh do you know She's such a nice person We're all glad She's getting her flowers Kind of thing Hang on hang on Tori Wilson's a Hall of Famer Yeah yeah She's in the Hall of Famer Get the fuck I, like, Unless that's a fever dream But I'm pretty sure She was on that one Do you the other one where um, The one where DX get inducted And Triple H slags off AEW Which looks great now in Hall of Oh fame. yeah I am, I am fully certain
2: Tori is Also we should fame. say or, RIP to uh, Triple H you know, passed away
1: first yeah. time. <laughs> Being weekend at Bernie's around Florida for months now at this stage. Yeah, she was inducted into the, the Hall of Fame in
2: 2019. Wow. I would yeah. not have got that right if you had a gun to my head. Um, yeah. yeah, good good for her. I mean, look, her ex-husband doesn't have anything bad to say about her. Like, even Billy Kidman wouldn't say anything bad yeah. about her, so. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, and obviously we don't know, like, because she was like, you know, um, we never know if she'd been around in a different time and actually, you know, been put in proper training or anything like that. We don't know if she ever would have become decent. She definitely certainly wasn't like. I, I you know, I am not gonna go here. Is my my uh, top five. my top five Tori Wilson <laughs> matches or anything like that? But she's somebody that you know, in spite of the the roles she was put in, again, like is a memorable name. From this time So you know It's always interesting When someone like that Shows up I mean she had a WrestleMania moment She did She did With the Miller Lite Catfly Yeah that's the one Yeah (laughs) Yeah yeah. (laughs) But like Do you know We're having this discussion now And I'm just In the context of that WWE thing about Like the women being Bloodied on AEW This is all very
2: funny To think about Mm -hmm. Do you know It's great It's a what a week You know Their yearly women's the big title match of WrestleMania was built around Playboy for about four or five years yeah yeah for sure Um, but now Lee uh, so
1: we have this cold open on the pool hall <laughs> and she is invo- she is kind of sitting at a table it's a completely deserted pool hall by the way um, as
2: all pool hall should be
1: yeah and she gets up and comes over to your character who's, who's shooting <laughs> the pool very you, you, badly your character yeah but that is like it's supposed to you know what I mean Um, like fucking second
2: life over here
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, She invites you to... She has a limo parked outside, and then it cuts off, and we start the show. Um, And yeah, the big thing that's being teased tonight, Lee, more matches in the tag team tournament. Hang on, I thought the big thing being being teased is you're getting fucked by Tory Wilson. Well, like, again, (laughs) it's like, here's the thing about those segments, right? Is that is definitely what they're alluding to, but it's also like they don't have the neck to go all the way to say that. You know what I mean? It's like they get really close to just outright saying it, and then they're like, "No, no, we're too scared."
2: Yeah, it's real. Um, it's super weird. It, it's very oh it's <laughs> I weird. I can't lie; it's so strange. What a
1: way to! Do. It's amazing that she managed to like fifteen you know, year career after it. that. She that, managed like, to have her, like a yeah. fifteen year career because like that's that that should be a one and done. Like you know, um. But yeah so there's that And then there's yes Further matches in the, this Second go at a tag team title tournament The tournament that they had to
2: make Double elimination after they realised They fucked up <laughs> Yeah um, Something as well uh, I really feel
1: that Until the main event tonight The commentary team was on their shit mm-hmm. um, This was a good night for Tony Brain and Tanae Which sometimes particularly on these pre-tapes They're not yep. Um, They start off the show Um, doing their kind of like, oh, here's the things I'm interested in on the way to Super Brawl. And it actually felt like one where they they feel invested in it. And the big thing that they're talking about is the tension between Flair the Horseman and WCW side Mm -hmm. of things and the Hogan and NWO side of things. Uh, Brain talks about how he is... So no sorry Tony first says uh, You know You can understand Flair's anger When Hogan stoops To new lows every week More of that Later in the show Um, And Brain then Talks about how He's particularly hyped For DDP Versus Scott Steiner Mm -hmm. Which he said Like it's not going to be A wrestling match It's going to be a brawl Anywhere in the arena Yeah Um, But
2: but you know what Do you know why They sound invested Because these matches Have been built to properly That's why they're invested That's why they sound interested Mm -hmm. They aren't matches Just thrown together Six days before a pay-per-view yeah, and you you wanna talk about like a
1: um you wanna talk about a a feud that Bobby Heenan is going to be
2: believably into, it's Flair versus Hope. Oh yeah, absolutely. I think he even brings that up like in the I think it's the main event. He says, you know, Oh, I was talking to this magazine editor where they were like, Oh well you were the manager the century, but who would you have as the wrestler there the century? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um so we kick off with uh,
1: tag team tournament action as the faces of fear, Meng and Barbarian uh, go head to head with our favourite tag team on God's Green Young Dumb and Bobby Duncombe Uh, Mike Enos and Bobby Duncombe Jr Um, and yes Lee, that means it's time for our Enos Alert Were you excited to see the boys again this week, my friend?
2: I'm, I'm always excited to see an inflated Enos on Thunder.
1: <laughs> and he was... That he was he that was looking baby.
2: ripped. Yeah, he was
1: ripped to the gills. <laughs> and you know what? Like Under normal circumstances, you never want a ripped Enos. But, you know,
2: I mean, an exception here. This Enos looked like he just dropped some big kangaroo. <laughs> Today
1: alerts us that as a result of last week's matches on Thunder, this is sudden death for both teams. So the incredibly convoluted uh, tag team tournament is double elimination. So you lose two and you're gone. Um, So both teams are on death's door here Uh Heenan makes a great point here, and I love this. You know, when Heenan tries to rationalize things, and he says that he'd much rather fight a team that had no losses in the tournament because if you've won loss and you're right at the point of going out, you're going to scrape and you're going to claw and you're going to fight harder because there's more on the line. You're out if you lose. There's no room for error. Uh, so that makes a lot of sense. Um, I'm noticing as well at the start of this match um, so they talk about Jimmy Hart a bit uh, as a manager. And Heenan has a line about how, look, when Jimmy Hart can stay focused, he's one of the greatest managers of all time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's that point that something clicked in my head, Lee. And that's, you know, we have like uh, commentator code, like bowling shoe ugly yeah. and, and and things like that. I'm pretty sure if he can just stay focused is commentator code for this is a shite gimmick or angle that this person is doing. <laughs>
2: Oh yeah, cuz I'm pretty sure Heenan says it throughout the match. He's just like, you know, if Hart can keep these guys focused. And it's just like, yep. yeah, this this is that's insane this issue. Cuz
1: cuz who is the other person that Bobby Heenan has said that about uh during
2: a run? Oh of Disco.
1: Disco. Yeah He constantly says it about Disco, particularly when he was doing the dancing fools with Alex Wright. Mm-hmm. Uh he says if he can just focus, I think he could actually be a good wrestler, uh, which is, you know, I, I am now convinced. Heen and Code for I'm super not into what this guy is doing and I wish he'd get away from it.
2: But I mean, look, um, Bobby Bobby was obviously wrong on that one because if Disco didn't have the Disco gimmick, he would have been Glenn Colberti. And well, we all saw how that turned out.
1: yeah. Um, Tane says that the edge in this match might be given to Enos because his extensive tag team experience could make Young Dumb and Bobby Dumb come uh, a-, a hell of a team. I love that that completely discounts the fact that like Faces of Fear already had a tag run.
2: But, oh yeah, we're, know, we're, what, they were whatever. WCW tag
1: team champions. Yeah, and you know uh, I don't know if on a family show I'm happy with Tane insisting that. Uh, Bobby Duncan rub off on the Enos um, so that they can become a hell of a team but he, but he has said that anyway uh, Heenan compliments the size of the Enos uh, saying that Mike Enos has you know he's looking in great shape mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of grappling early doors from, mm-hmm. from Meng and Enos but I would much rather this because I was trying to think like I think maybe one of the ultimate cursed combinations of men you can have in the ring is uh, Barbarian and Bobby Duncan Jr. So I would much rather see the, the other two lads do a grapple fuck than I'd ever see want to see the other two get
2: in the ring. Oh yeah, I'd much prefer to watch Meng and, and Enos have a l- little roll around. I did like that um, Enos does a series of arm drags and then points to his head because he is in fact the thinking man's Enos. Yeah he is
1: He's a Look you know The blood is rushing To his brain Um Duncombe knocks Barb off his game With a drop kick And then goes outside For a pep talk With Jimmy Hart We go to a break then We return with Enos choking Meng On the middle rope uh, Enos hits a good pile driver For a two count Meng then hits Like a horrendous Borderline shoot Lariat on him <laughs> I'd well believe It wasn't a borderline shoot That was just a shoot yeah, that's everything Mang does. has no idea it's a work. Uh, Enos is kind of like... It's funny. You look at the four men in this and, like, Mike Enos is the guy... Like, he's the glue holding this whole match together. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, he's directing Traffic. And I guess of the four guys here, he's who you want. Because we've talked about him before on the show, you know, in all seriousness, that, like, Mike Enos... He just—he never finds the gimmick that really clicks for him during our Thunder Run because he was doing his discount Scott Steiner bit. Uh, now he's doing just kind of like generic black hair, black trunks, power dude. Um, mm-hmm. He never really had the charisma, but he's not like horrendous, you know, especially no. compared to some of the guys that are pushed way higher than him on the
2: show. Like, by 1999 standards, he was a decent enough wrestler. Like, he did just need to find that gimmick to get... Like, he would have been fine as a tag team wrestler. I think if he had found a permanent tag team partner, they would have been a grand addition to the WCW roster.
1: And, you know, the thing about this match is, as I'm thinking about it, and as I'm reading back through my notes here, I found this match quite enjoyable. You know, it wasn't anything to write home about, but as, like, a tag opener on a TV show, I think it was... Pretty,
2: it was fine. Yeah, like yeah. there wasn't bad. Like there was, do you know, what I had some clumsy moments, but like there was, some, yeah. there was some big, big bumps, big moves,
1: um, big moves. I, I think the layout of the match for the most part made sense as well. The the story they tried to tell, you know, there's a really long bit I enjoy where uh, Meng and Barbarian are working exclusively on the lad's necks. Mm-hmm. To, to kind of uh, weaken them for the Tongan death grip and I think that makes a lot of sense I think um, maybe one of the only things I thought didn't make sense in this match is there's a bit where Barb goes to the outside and he gets sneak attacked by Bobby Duncan and I thought that Duncan and Enos were supposed to be the baby faces here so that was like they they did there's like
2: a heel shtick
1: for a few seconds in
2: here I thought they did um, like a semi torn at some stage because they did start yeah. acting a bit heelish Yeah, but that only lasts for, like, a
1: minute. They double-team on Meng, do a series of elbow drops. Um, Oh, my God. This pile-driver Meng hits on Bobby Duncombe Jr. looked incredible. One of the best pile-drivers you'll ever see.
2: Just fucking vicious-looking.
1: Yeah. Um, And, like, part of that is Meng, but also, like, Duncombe takes that spike pile-driver bump. Mm -hmm. Like, he goes directly down, like, a lawn dart into the
2: ground. And Uh, I loved Tanay, after after Duncombe kicks out he puts over uh, Duncombe's neck strength.
1: Yeah. Mang um, knocks down Enos, double diving headbutts, uh, Enos recovers to break up. Um, this is where I noticed the commentators were remarkably focused because usually, you know, in the tag team tournament or just any match on Thunder, really, it doesn't take very long for um, the three lads to either start, you know, joking around or talking about anything but the mm-hmm. match that's happening in the ring. But they were actually commentating on the match, which also, in turn, helps me focus on yeah. the story of the match, because I'm not getting annoyed or trying to follow the thread of what the other guys are saying.
2: And it helps that the match, like, for as much as we've shit on the tournament, the match actually had some consequences. It was, you know, lose or lose. Yeah. Uh, Barb, <laughs> Barb does a move that I just
1: referred to as dropping the arse <laughs> on Duncan, where he just, like, just sits it on it It was him. the earthquake. Yeah, yeah, it was, but I'm calling it dropping the arse here. Um, He does this thing, Barb does this thing that's like, it's something I don't notice all the time. And I always feel like a pedant when I say I get annoyed about it. Um, But I know it's a thing that wrestling trainers get really annoyed about is that when you do a move on a guy, and then your next thing to do is to pick him back up and do another move on him. So Barb does that like Two or three times in her own Bobby Duncan Where he does move, knock him down, pick him up mm-hmm. Move, knock him down And then I think he gets him back up to a sitting position And then does another move And it's like why are you knocking someone down Just to pick exert energy picking him back up again um, I don't always notice it But when I do I'm like Ugh. Uh, Meng comes in He instructs Barb to distract the ref While he chokes uh, Duncan in the corner uh, He chokes him again Sends Enos in Meng encourages The interference from Enos Because that keeps The referee distracted Mm -hmm. Which then allows Barb to choke him So like that's That's all I thought that was Very clever Um, Good good tag team wrestling Obviously Yeah there's a bit Where then where Bobby Or is it Yeah Bobby Duncan Gets up And Meng just Chops him in the neck (laughs) Great (laughs) Oh gruesome And then then he bites his nose, and I was just like, at first, I was just like, ugh. But then, again, makes sense. You know, you're weakening the neck, and you're also uh, you're affecting the, the, the other airway. Supply, yeah. yeah, all makes sense. Uh, then, you know, maybe the nadir of the match... Um, I think it's Mang gives Duncan a reverse atomic drop and Duncan takes the single worst bump I've ever seen off a reverse atomic drop in my entire life it's like he does the um, teetering over like a redwood cell of it where like he he gets a reverse atomic drop and then completely stand up straight and then just like <laughs> fall back stiff as a board but not in a way that was funny but just in a way that like he obviously got I think he got lost he had, yeah Lost in a thought about how he was going to bump. Um, There was a great-looking power slam from Duncan uh, Duncan on Meng. Uh, But Meng is now Menging up. Uh, He's not selling anything. He's getting fired up. Uh, Then we have a shocking moment on Thunder. As Jimmy gets up onto the apron, he's saying something to Barb, instructing him to do something. He gets in, and then he boots Meng in the back of the head... Um, The commentators are shocked They're confused They're like what the hell Maybe it was an accident Meng turns (laughs) around And gets Yeah Gets booted in the face uh, And Young Dumb and Bobby Duncombe Move on in the tournament The faces of fear have broken
2: up Again I'm pretty sure we only did this like Four months ago
1: Lee they've only been back together Maybe since the start of this tournament I'm pretty sure they were Because that
2: was the big surprise That uh, Hart got them back on the same page Yeah but wasn't, wasn't there a Barb they, and Meng feud towards the end of the year?
1: Uh, it was like the maybe the middle. There, there was definitely a feud since we've been watching Thunder. And they've been doing the thing where they're building like the first family with the two of them mm-hmm. and Hugh Morris. And like that seems to be over now.
2: So um, all I can gather is that Meng started kicking too much ass. And Jimmy wasn't happy about it.
1: Yeah, he's too scary. We must we must rid
2: him from so, our, our stable. If if you if you're gonna pick one of them, why in 1999 would you pick Barbarian to side with? Yeah, I know, I know. Uh, I did find it funny
1: though that like there there was one moment where I felt the commentary slipped up where they were talking about the Tongan death group and they were talking about how it's an illegal hold. And I was like, but that's the move he's been winning matches with pretty much nonstop. <laughs> Whatever, and in he the will continue to win matches with, with yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For like the rest of his run, I was like, "Oh, that was you." You didn't think that all through, no. lads. Um, Lee, the next segment. I was so happy because we have a return to at home with the Ravens. Mm-hmm. Um. So for those of you who are new to the show uh, and may not have been watching too much 1998 Thunder, can't say I fucking blame you. Um. We had this... So, Raven got depressed, basically. You know, after, after, after the flock
2: got disbanded by Saturn at Fall Brawl. Fall Brawl, yeah. Um, In a great match. Oh, fantastic. Go back and watch it. Um, yeah. After the flock got disbanded, and it was just Canyon and Raven left as pals, um, Raven, week on week, just got more and more depressed. I think he fell asleep at ringside one week during the Canyon match. He um, He just would walk out on matches he wouldn't tag into matches just all all the usual stuff yeah. and until we got the the first of the classic at home with the ravens where we were introduced to mama raven
1: mama raven sister raven and uh, friend of the family uh played by the sandman yeah. uh, which was the definite highlight so we're back now and leave oh actually actually we, two. we we forgot ha, the handy
2: uh, grandma raven
1: Oh, Hansy, Grandma Raven, yeah. and also that season one of At Home with the Ravens ended on the uh, the cliffhanger that uh, Raven found a secret stash of his mom's signed Roddy Piper
2: photos, which we haven't got followed up on since.
1: I, uh, but I, I am firmly in the camp that the implication is that Roddy's his dad. That's 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 my head. Okay, now. Right, fair enough. Yeah. Um. So. Season two of At Home with the Ravens takes on much more of a weird '50s screwball comedy uh, vibe than I was expecting. Mm-hmm. Me. Do you remember ever seeing any of these? Skits? No, no. I yeah, I remember. I vaguely remember the season one At Home mm-hmm. with the Ravens, but I don't remember. I, I don't remember anything about the stuff we saw this
2: week. No, the the, the bits we were seeing here, like I don't, I can't recall them. Because there's there's one bit in particular where Raven continually breaks the fourth wall and becomes Zach Morris. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, this is either, like, um, I was going to
1: say, it's either Raven explains it all or it's uh, raved by the bell. But it's very much fourth wall looking straight down the camera yeah. addressing the audience stuff uh, in a real, like, wacky, completely out of... Like, yeah. this is Scott Levy talking... Or perhaps even Johnny Polo talking, <laughs> not Raven. Um, <laughs> um, yeah,
2: like all will used to start to do was fucking shouting freeze frame or whatever. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, so Canyon arrives to the Raven estate, but it's a different house. And I love that to make this work in Canyon. Because obviously they've rented a different house mm-hmm. for these skits. Uh, the other one wasn't available. They have uh, Canyon Ad lib a line about how God, how many houses do these people have? <laughs> <laughs> Which I really enjoyed. Um, he comes in and meets a worried Mrs. Raven. Uh, she's worried about Scotty, uh, but she has a board meeting to go to at presumably Raven Enterprises. Um, <laughs> the shooting of this skit is fantastic because they do like again like a proper kind of uh, like two camera comedy where there's a shot where Canyon walks towards the camera and as, like, he walks straight into the camera, the shot dissolves into the reverse shot of him... Continuing on down, yeah, the mansion. yeah. Yeah, this is, like, I love this.
2: So, um, I, I just thought of this. Um, obviously, we've talked before about how when Raven came into WCW, all of his matches were inexplicably Raven drools. Yeah, and you couldn't understand how this was allowed to fly like he's just Raven how is he to come in and make all these demands but as I pointed out to you Raven obviously had a deal with Nick Lambrose and the WCW committee and I think it's now apparent that Mama Raven with her board meetings and palatial estates by the dozen loads yeah. obviously had the best She's probably- obviously had the best lawyers in the country
1: or, or she bought the influence of several Turner executives. I don't
2: think they would have been um, above a bribe or two, yeah.
1: No, no. So, I th- you know, and and I, you know, as we've always said in this podcast, we'd happily be. bought Oh yeah,
2: we'd, we'd you know, be bought we by anybody. Mean, please bribe yeah. us. Please Jesus. bribe us. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> but I think it's fair to say that Raven obviously got whatever he wanted in his contract.
1: Yeah. Oh, by the way, I meant to say, speaking of, of influential people uh, and and this podcast. Um, Lee, how have we gotten caught up in the the day-to-day adventures of Brian Clark on Twitter?
2: <laughs> I don't know, but I love it.
1: So, guys, uh, Brian Clark. Um,
2: he of Chronic.
1: He of Chronic.
2: The tag team, um, not the um, other stuff.
1: He of Wrath. Um... He followed us a while ago on Twitter, and now, like as he's posting like slice of life updates, you know where he's traveling, what he's doing this week, we're getting tagged in these threads. Um, so we got to see full conversations about him, his
2: missus, and his dog hanging out, and was it the Grand Canyon? Hang on, I'm going back to check it now. Just give us one sec. <laughs> uh, yeah, where was he? He was on the way to Seguro Lake for dinner.
1: Ah, uh, okay. So somewhere in it Phoenix. This picture of him and his pupper hanging out so, uh, with a beautiful <laughs> vista behind him, I must say. Uh,
2: did you see who's tagged in the photo? Or who's the who's the, the at star listed in the tweet, sorry. Apart, Apart from, from us. us. Go on. So there's Don Tony D, who I don't know. Uh, pro defined At WCW Thunderpod, obviously the best of the bunch. Yep. Obviously.
1: Uh that's who we meant to address.
2: At WCW Nitro. Yeah. At Terry Runnels. Uh, yeah, at Medusa Rocks, <laughs> at Justin Roberts, <laughs> and at <Lance> Hoyt.
1: <laughs> what, a, what a fucking collection of people we found ourselves with, there. Dave. What? <laughs> this may have to become a segment on the show. Like, what's Brian Clark doing Do, this week? Does Brian Clark? Because he's gonna fucking. Does Brian us. Clark
2: think we are the official Turner WCW Thunder account?
1: I think he must. And you know that's happened to us on Instagram. Have I told you about this? No. On our Instagram for about two years now, we keep getting tagged by Big Vito. Oh yeah,
2: no, he still does that on Twitter as well.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. But he does it all, like pretty much like all of his posts uh, on Instagram we get tagged in. And it's just like Vito genuinely thinks we are the official account of Thunder, which he must think is still a show. Uh, <laughs> he just hasn't been booked in a while. He's still complaining that um, Russo that he
2: can't get booked on Thunder.
1: Yeah. Uh, anyway, Canyon uh, comes into the uh, expansive living room and finds Raven, who is sitting there in his gear. Now, I know Raven's gear—you know, it's stuff that you would see people like a Raven wearing. People in real life. Like, like, a raven.
2: Like,
1: like a Raven, like a Raven, like a—you know, str- <laughs> strung-out, grungy dudes. You know, he's got the flannel. He's um, he's got the the raggedy cut off jeans. He's got the t shirt, um, but the bit that tells you that this is wrestling gear is that he's sitting there in all that and wrestling mm-hmm. boots. <laughs> like, right? Well, I mean, he's, uh, he's ready talking- to go for a Fallsco anywhere match at any time, Dave. You, it's Ravens rules. You gotta be ready. Always bring. Who your knows gear. where there's Gears a stop line. sign? That's one less bag to carry.
2: You know, there could be a stop sign anywhere.
1: There, there absolutely could be. um. So they're having a chat for a couple of seconds. and This is where we get the Clarissa explains it all level of things where at a certain point, he just deadpans down the barrel of the camera and says, what
2: a mark.
1: <laughs> About Kanye. Because Canyon thinks Kanye they,
2: thinks he's actually depressed.
1: And this is the other thing as well, is that when he does this, none of the characters in the scene with him can hear him saying this. um. So Raven explains that, uh, you know, things aren't so bad because he's got these sweet cars. So they're out in the garage now and he's got this like uh, slick ass yellow Ferrari. Mm-hmm. Um, he then deadpans down the camera again and says he don't get it. And he's doing it in this like wacky sitcom voice when he does it. Um, he says, look, we have stuff to do. And then they speed off in the Ferrari. More from that later in the program.
2: So not only are we getting fucked by Tory Wilson, we're also getting Raven explains it all.
1: It's it's quite a week. I'll tell you, the pre-tapes this week and the video packages, <clears throat> I'm being wildly entertained. Like when I saw on Cage Match, when I was setting up my notes for this, and I saw on Cage Match there was only five matches on this show, when usually they, they Seven. try to cram a bit, like eight <laughs> yeah. or nine sometimes. Uh, I was like, okay, that's because <clears throat> it's not any shorter than usual. But like they had a lot of shit to show us on mm-hmm. this um and uh, this is the other thing is that most of the matches this week uh bizarrely got time which you never see like uh a good three maybe even four of the matches went through two segments mm-hmm. which is relatively unheard of uh on thunder like usually it's like the the wrestling is completely fucking incidental uh on thunder um We get a video package, speaking of pre-tapes, a video package of Goldberg cutting a promo saying Bam Bam is next. And this is one of two Bam Bam and Goldberg um, segments or packages on this show. And luckily, we've gone on record as saying they really didn't strike while the iron was hot with Bam Bam. Like for about a month after he showed up, people were chomping Mm -hmm. at the bit for that singles match. And they, they did it with a DQ finish on Nitro, and then they did the three-way on Nitro, mm-hmm. and they had, like, various schmazes like, at World War Three and stuff, um, but it's cooled off significantly. Yeah. I feel like the two packages on this show did a really good job of making this seem like a hot feud. And specifically, and importantly, for a match like this, made Bam
2: Bam look like a kid. Yeah, I think they had they had a good bit of footage that they could go back to to actually do their best to try and heat this back up. But yeah, I, I agree with you. They've kind of left it. They probably left it a month too long. Um, if they hadn't yeah. done that, a sold out it would have been fine. Um, but now it just it does feel like they've kind of learned our oh balls. We're not ready for Goldberg to go back through the NWO yet. So we have to go yeah. back to Bam Bam. It
1: was like they introduced Bam Bam too early. They introduced Bam Bam while Goldberg still had the belt and had other things going on. Whereas if they had waited until after Starrcade debut, him, it would be hotter. Or like you said, if they had done the singles match at Sold oh, yeah. Out, maybe it would be slightly hotter. They have done a pretty good job on TV With Bam Bam the last month Where they're just, just having beat him come out though. And beat the yeah. shit out of dudes Like was it last week Where he had a match with Kaz Hayashi mm-hmm. And just killed him to bits Yeah, And it was great um, So let me go back to Nitro And this is an update on what's been happening With the DDP-Scott Steiner feud Um we have Steiner confronting Paige as he's getting into the car. Uh, Did you notice while the... So uh, pretty much as soon as they confront each other, they're like swarmed by security. Did you see the one security guy in the fresh sunshine shoes that absolutely ate shit on the ramp? Yeah, goes flying. Nearly lands underneath the car. (laughs) Yeah. And then like he gets up and it nearly happens again. Like Mm -hmm. he's clearly like walking very gingerly. Um, So... It's weird, and the commentators draw attention to this, uh, maybe deliberately or not. Like, I can't remember what happens next in this suit. But uh, I think its brain points out that, like, it's like they are only holding Paige back because they, they're trying to break up the two of them, and Steiner is relatively free mm-hmm. to hop into Paige's rental car with Kimberly in the passenger seat. And he speeds off in the car, Uh, Paige kind of jogs after him. The car does a quick U-turn and starts driving towards Paige like it's going to run him down. But then the passenger door opens and Kim comes flying out of the car. um, And there's kind of a bit of ambiguity. Like, there has been with a lot of this Mm -hmm. stuff uh, in this feud. um, Like, again, we have gone on record as saying, like, how little... Like, Scott Steiner had nuclear heat for a while. And... Uh, you know, we've really enjoyed a lot of his stuff as becoming a single. Like even when he was being a bit of a goof with Buff, mm-hmm. um. But we have both said how little we enjoy this kind of him being a stalker or him yeah. being abusive towards women angle has been. Um, when they could just have him as like this badass killer, they, they had they um, after
2: like the the Rick Steiner feud, they actually had like you said, they got nuclear heat on him, and he was over as this just fucking badass that nobody messed with. And yeah. then all of a sudden they went down this, oh, well, he's fucking around with Kimberly stuff. And it's it's like yeah. you said, it's that kind of like, oh, well, maybe he didn't mean to push her. Maybe he didn't mean for her to fall over. Yeah. Again, it's another one of those things where you can
1: tell what they want to do, but they're just... It's not done well. ...not going yeah. the whole yeah. hog. But even if they, like, that's not us advocating for them to go the whole hog. Like, really, there was such an opportunity to just keep pushing this mm-hmm. guy, open up the card. Like, Try tell me with a straight face lead This feud would be much better If you took Kimberly Out of the equation entirely And it was just him Beating the fuck out of DDP in all these segments Or like somebody who Is identified as one of DDP's boys Mm -hmm. You know Something like that You can have him come Into the rescue of a wrestler That DDP is friendly with um, something like that and as well this has all taken place on the backdrop of you know the reorganisation of the NWO into this amalgam of Wolfpack and Hollywood mm-hmm. and your opportunity was there to like put him in the eyes of the viewers on an equal level with Hogan oh well, yeah Nash. exactly
2: he, he like that that's obviously their long term goal is that Scott becomes yeah. the number 2 slash 3 in the, in the NWO yeah. Yeah, and they do get there, but I feel like they could have
1: gotten there very quickly. Like, if you have him as this killer that's beating the shit out of DDP, Mm -hmm. who is, like... Now that so many people are in Wolfpack and Hollywood, DDP is probably, like, the biggest single star on the WCW side, Mm -hmm. and you have Scott Steiner. If you have him just beating the shit out of this dude on the regular and getting the upper hand on him, and then you have, like him standing shoulder-to-shoulder shoulder with Nash and Hogan and being perceived on TV as an equal to the mm-hmm. two of them, I feel you have this guy established as, like, a world title-level yeah. heel contender. And you know what?
2: And then when Goldberg beats him on his way to the title, it means something. Yeah, and,
1: you know, maybe it comes back to that classic thing of WCW being, like... uh you know, Nash and Hogan are pretty comfortable in their spots, and they don't want to share it with too many people. Okay. And because Scott is in the ascendancy, if you did those things that we just laid out there, then you create a problem because now there isn't enough spotlight to share. Well, uh, look, as far as they're concerned, even though they're actually
2: as is. we've said, we're doing this podcast three years. It's a what a year and year and two months in the timeline of WCW, and yeah. Hogan has yet to be involved in anything worth of a fucking that was anyway interesting except losing the title to Goldberg yeah Um, this segment
1: ends with Kim being stretched into an ambulance and a neck brace and again like you try tell me that this wouldn't have been you know much better and less icky feeling if that was like you know any single star that you know, uh, DDP has maybe feuded with and then shown respect for, or even just a WCW guy and DDP as a leader of mm-hmm. the WCW side, you know, is coming to their aid, defending, yeah, yeah. Um, we then get a video package, we finally get to see on Thunder, um. The Wolfpack turning on Conan so we mentioned this a couple of shows ago that this is one of the things that our whole we us just watching Thunder and trying to figure out what WCW mean sometimes uh, it shows how bad their continuity is because one week maybe three or four weeks after it happens they randomly explain that you know the NWO uh, turned on Conan kick, and kicked him yeah, out kick, we were kick, just going to group, know yeah. that. I think that um, happened on the first so, night
2: or the year or something like that if I remember uh, correctly yeah
1: so the, like so now it's February eleventh and they're showing it to Thunder audience for the first time. Um, this confirms as well this video package that the tag match at Super Bowl with uh, Ray and Conan versus uh, Lex and Big Kev uh, is going to be mask versus hair. Ray's mask versus mm-hmm. Liz's hair. Um, Then we have uh, another At Home with the Raven" segment, and this is Mr. Levy arriving at the bank uh, and taking out 10 grand. Uh, I love Canyon is utterly perplexed that everybody in the bank knows him and is friendly with him, and he doesn't need ID to take out his money. (laughs) Um, Two other things I like. So he does the... You know, as Canyon is in disbelief about how much money he's taking out and how he's able to do it without ID, Raven looks down the camera again and he does the big cartoony eye roll. But the thing I loved the most about this is they get all this money, these stacks of cash. What is it? Is it ten thousand in Ten thousand in ones, yeah. And then another ten thousand in, in bigger yeah. bills. And how do they
2: transport this money? They put it in pillowcases. Yeah. <laughs> Which then as they're walking <laughs> Walking out of the bank uh, Young Scotty is singing Santa Claus is coming to town
1: Yeah uh, My kingdom for them to have Had like a big dollar sign Or swag yeah. written on the Yeah it would have made it It just would have made it Yeah. Um, They're off to Then they say they're off to give Canyon The right look and at that moment, I knew what the next segment that they did was going to be, and we'll get to it in a second. Um, Lee, in this next segment here, we have a historical moment. We have Super Calo versus the debuting on Thunder Lash Larue, the raging Hell yeah. Cajun. Hell yeah! Is here, Lee. I I let it slip a couple of episodes ago on the podcast. Young me who started watching WCW, like I had been a WWF fan since '96. Mm -hmm. I started watching WCW in '99. Um, I was unabashedly a massive Lash LaRue fan.
2: (laughs) I I mean, look, I I like Lash LaRue. Um, I mean, you were obviously a fan because you look very like Lash LaRue. Literally
1: In as much as We are both Pale human beings And both of us have Could be said to have Some facial Yeah hair. exactly
2: yes. He's looking He yes. looks exactly like let In no other way When I, when I look at you I think Rage and
1: Cajun Do you? Yeah. <laughs> Do you? Yeah Do you? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Right Is that because When you hop on these Zoom calls I'm always blaring Like uh, Credence So you get like That yeah, exactly. vibe off me Yeah um so yeah this is last like i remember so one of the things that i like in reflection on my my childhood um watching wrestling it's really funny because you know there was this whole thing in the mid 2000s you know the triple h line about how wins and losses don't matter and that's definitely how wwe Uh have booked for god knows how long but A perfect example when I think about my own life and think about how wins and losses do matter is there are loads of dudes who were absolute either absolute clowns, shite wrestlers or just mid characters who were never going to get elevated. Who as a child I either really liked or took seriously because I would see them win all the time and usually on b shows like thunder or on the wwf side i would see them win on shotgun and metal every single week mhm and i thought these these guys are on incredible streaks you you can't beat valvenus my god like you know or you know <laughs> for many years i think the wrestler i saw the most on television was midian um because he'd always have a shotgun match and or a metal match every single week i was watching uh, and I was like, why do I never see this guy on Raw or Smackdown? Like, he's tearing it up on metal. Tearing it up. And Lash LaRue was one of those
2: guys. I was just going to say, as as you are now older, I think it's very obvious why you didn't see Midian on Raw every week. Yeah. Oh, oh, Lee, I understand now. But it just goes to show, like, a childhood,
1: the childhood wrestling fan brain, if you show uh, a child who's watching wrestling a wrestler who wins loads of matches, it goes to show that you, like... Ugh, you know the, the wins and losses don't matter thing is such horse shit like um, well I mean this, but anyway.
2: this, this is this is why Hook is the best wrestler in the world
1: yeah Lash LaRue is a guy who like I was really into because he like again he had this kind of slightly different look he was I think importantly for me in like 1990-2000 he was put across as a younger guy who was just coming through and it felt like you were getting in on the ground floor seeing him um he ended up being involved obviously with misfits in action which to a 10 year old that is the height of comedy um and you know i enjoyed watching his his short matches and he it'll be interesting to see because this first match here you can see how green as grass the guy is
0: what's going on guys this is rich from the flagship podcast here on the voice of wrestling podcast network and i just want to let you know about a brand new sponsor we have for the network
1: Against Super mm-hmm. In my Again My rose tinted glasses I remember quite enjoying His wrestling And I'm wondering Does he improve Or You know Is it just Like I said Rose tinted glasses um, What are your
2: Lash LaRue memories <laughs> Well I mean I don't have As strong A feeling towards him As you do Because I mean Obviously I see the poster In that room behind you Don't lie <laughs> I was just... Corporal Cajun I, for life. I was just going to say that, um, I mean, obviously you saw the comparisons that I just made. I mean, you you just look so incredibly similar. How could you not enjoy them?
1: <laughs> you're just starting this thing going. We're going to have to start releasing this as a video podcast just to see what horse shit you're spouting.
2: I mean, look, it could be Lash sitting in front of me. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> um... Yeah, look, I, I remember Lash La Rue as, like, just before the Misfits in action became a thing. And I remember, like, yeah. I was it, like, early 2000 he had a feud with Disco and the Mamelukes and stuff. Like, that's where I really remember him from. And he was fine. He had the big fucking sideburns as he came to be famous for. and um, But yeah, I didn't hate him. I'm, I'm interested to see just how green he actually is because yeah. in this match, it's very obvious he's pretty damn fucking
1: green yeah yeah very rough around the edges I think something I noted during this is like definitely the enthusiasm is there and he's a guy mm-hmm. that uh, and I, I think his you know his run here through the end of WCW will demonstrate that there definitely is charisma there as well but it's mm-hmm. just the the wrestling ability isn't and when you're in with a guy like Super Kolo who we've enjoyed in the past and we think you know much like a lot of the luchadors is criminally underutilized in Uh wcw um it it shines a light on those you know on on those gaps in your game on that greenness that he has um he has as well some hideous low-rent gear yeah real real fucking indie Real fucking indie red uh, tights with these skinny black X's on the side. He also has uh, a much less natural red hair dye that he would go on to have. Like, I don't remember Uh it being this, like, luminous red. red later on in his run especially when the other thing that makes it stand out so much is that the sideburns are a completely different color from the the mop on top of his head uh, which just like highlights how bad it is It's like do you know the way when somebody uh, poo bears it when they're like wearing a top half of clothing but they're they're not wearing pants it's like it emphasizes how they're not how how nude the bottom half is because they've worn a t-shirt it would like be less weird if they were shirtless as well. You know what I mean We've all been there
2: I can't believe you just compared Lash and Roo's Undyed sideborns To poo-bearing it Yeah
1: Well I have I've done it there um, They do some uh, Pinning combinations early uh, Lash outsmarts Kalo on one dive But then he gets Knocked outside And eats a couple of dives Uh, Springboard, Crossbody and a Hurricane Rana from Lash Um, I know you popped for this Lee because I I know you and I know your favourite wrestlers of all time Uh, Tanay mentions that on Nitro we had the debut of Blitzkrieg
2: Hell yeah I fucking love Blitzkrieg (laughs) I can't wait till we get to watch Blitzkrieg
1: I haven't looked ahead to see what the, the match cards are for the next few but surely it won't be long before Blitzkrieg appears on Thunder um, Lash does uh, an awkward like he's like he's so fired up in one of his little comebacks that he does like the, the jumping splits and it's kind of like again the energy and the enthusiasm is there but he's like 20
2: to 30% too green yeah. to pull off this stuff do, he's doing do you know do you he, know what like, he reminds me of remember yeah, baby face Chris Jericho in WCW he's like yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> like. Yeah, yeah, there are definitely Chris
1: Jericho parallels there. Again, in terms of the enthusiasm and the charisma, are there, but uh, not so much the stuff, the other stuff here at the beginning of the run, anyway. Um, I have, so, um, Lash hits a top rope splash and Kalo rolls out of the way and I gotta give big ups to Super Kalo on this because I've never seen someone move out of the way of a diving splash later in the dive and still not get hit at all yeah he he, he literally just he's about a foot off the ground and Super Kalo sits up and somehow doesn't get hit at all
2: yeah it's weird because he like you say he leaves us so late that he just sits up and it's like how the fuck did he miss
1: <laughs> yeah i couldn't believe it. i was fully sure this was going to be like oh he didn't get all of it one of those ones and he yeah. really somehow completely got out of the way incredible Uh they take turns beating each other up in the corner um i also realized part of the green is here uh lash face is redder than his hair he is like blown up trying to keep up mm-hmm. with hello over a five minute match here uh Callow hits some cool shit, like uh, doing the kind of running up Lash's chest and backflipping while he's in the corner. Um, He does double jump moonsault, which looks class. Um, Mm -hmm. And then the most impressive thing about Lash, maybe this is what I love because you know as well, the other things uh, kids love in wrestling, entrances and finishers. And Lash LaRue grabs him and hits a fireman carry driver. Uh, for the win. Do you remember what this move would go on to be known as later?
2: Oh, God. Um, I know it's the cradle shock. Well, same that Chris Saban does it, yeah. it's cradle shock. Um, yeah. This is your lash in the room trivia contest for the week. I knew it without even having to look it up, and that just that says a lot about me. <laughs> well, I mean, it was obviously your finisher in all your SmackDown versus Raw characters and
1: do you know what funny enough before it became uh like a meme uh thanks to excalibur do you know what my finish was on wrestling games in my create wrestler character was the falcon arrow (laughs)
2: yeah
1: i love a falcon arrow and nobody kicks out of it
2: yeah exactly no i i cannot remember the name of the cradle shock when um does it you'll be kicking yourself that you didn't guess this it was called the whiplash
1: Are you kicking yourself or are you just bummed out at how bad That's a ton it is? <laughs> whiplash.
0: Yeah,
1: he uh, he wins with the whiplash. Uh then we get a WCW Saturday night tease. It's Huey versus Ray, which should be good. We're gonna see Booker T, Benoit, Kidman, uh, and in spite of all that talent on the undercard. The main event is going to see Dean Malengo try and get a match out of Brian Adams. He, uh, the king of the one-arse-cheek pile driver. Uh, We now have another segment with Tori. She's in the limo. She's inviting you to sit beside her. She said she won't bite. Not too much, anyway. Uh, Then we go to, I think, my favourite running gag of the night. Something, like, just because it was so dumb and so weird. Glacier. Who is wearing, wait till you hear this, ensemble that uh, that Glacier is wearing. He is wearing a grey t-shirt, a fairly loose-fitting leather jacket that's like zipped up not even halfway. Two quarters of the and, way. And Quartered away, yeah. And pinstripe Zubaz. What a look. I, you want to talk about, like, they present this guy on, on TV, obviously, as Sub-Zero from Mortal Kombat. And you want to talk about
2: one segment that completely shatters any sort of life. Yeah, but he ha- he has that look, Dave, but he also has in the contact lens.
1: Yeah, yeah. He has, that's, and that plays into the the skits later. Um, so he's talking to the cat and Sonny Ono, um, and it's, it's something that was jarring to me about this segment uh, from years of being conditioned by WWE programming is that Sonny Ono isn't facing the camera during this. He's actually standing like somebody talking to somebody would be. So yeah. his back is to the camera facing Glacier. And I was like, that's weird. But also <laughs> it's like a human being would. People um, don't stand in
2: semi-circles looking,
1: you know. Yeah. So he, he talks about how, like, Cat has it all. He says to Cat and Sonny, he says, you've got it all. You know, three-time karate champion, all that sort of stuff. What you need is the greatest entrance of all time. Then he slags off his own vignettes about how they showed, like, the, the Glacier vignettes for, six for about months. six months. Yeah. yeah, he slags them off, but then it's funny because, like, Sonny Ono starts laughing, and he goes, it's not that funny. <laughs> Which I thought was really good. It's like, hey, look, I, I can joke about this. You can't. Um, and he says that, look... I can do that for you. I can give you my lights. I can give you my lasers. And so I'll give them to you at a great price. And now it's officially canon because of this segment, Lee, that wrestlers own their individual pyro and light shows. So... Every member of the WCW roster is hearken their own spotlights and pyro across state lines between each TV taping, and it is theirs
2: to sell as they so wish. I, I think they, they just meet with production staff and decide, well, I'm going to have this pyro. Instead of, you know, them hauling it, you know, on fucking Spirit Airlines or whatever the fuck they're flying with.
1: I, I'll tell you, Lee, no one ever showed Vince McMahon this segment. Because like Vince already, you know, makes everybody pay for their own transport and hotel out of pocket unless they're a real star. If Vince gets it in his head that he can charge them for their own
2: lights and pyro, it's fucking game over, game over. And, and, um, and yet, Randy Orton would still get his own pyro that he wouldn't have to pay for.
1: Yeah, um, we have another match in the um, in the <sighs> tag team tournament. So we have Kidman and Chavo. I can't remember. So we have this thing in the tag team tournament, guys, where if it's a tag team that didn't previously have a name, we give them one. I haven't written in anything for Kidman and Chavo because we already gave them a name and I forgot it. Yeah, I I forgot it as well. I can't remember. But such a lack of professionalism. I will go and look it up before the pay-per-view. But their team is uh, competing against uh, a new team on our run, uh, and that Mm -hmm. is the combination of Fit Finley. And Dave Taylor, for which I have uh, two tag team names. For which I would like you to choose between Lee, so that we can okay. go ahead uh, and officially revert them as one. So, uh, option number one, they've turned the weans against us. I like it. Option option number two, Team Blue Chew. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, I think I'd go for team. They've turned the weans against us. Okay. Now you're
1: saying that maybe if Blue wanted to sponsor us, give us a little kickback, we could
2: revise that. Decision? I mean, listen. If we have to watch any more Finley and Taylor matches, I might need some Blue to get through it
1: <laughs> I love that. That implies that the what you need to get through thunder is a raging erection. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, if I'm not fully tumescent during <laughs> my wrestling, then what's the point?
2: I mean, listen, if they keep doing these uh, Tori vignettes, it's going to go somewhere. <laughs>
1: I just picture it being now as like Lee to d- distract himself when thunder is bad. Is just like he's he's pitching a tent and he's just like trying to do like spinning the plates, but with like his phone with his notes app open, just spinning it on top of the pitch tent.
2: Oh, uh, taking voice notes. That's all I'm saying.
1: <laughs> oh, good lord. Good fucking lord. So, yeah, if you want yourself associated with this content, blue chew. You know where we're at Hop into the Discord.
2: If I'm getting paid I'll take anything
1: In terms of what we Don't like in WCW Lee Is Finley. there a more per- it, it, but I was say, <laughs> Is there a more Personal punishment To the two of us Than seeing Finley and Chavo wrestle
2: I mean Finley and anybody Wrestle is a punishment To me um, We should say For anyone who's Never listened to us We fucking hate Dave Finley. Yeah, so this is the thing, right? I remember, and I
1: said this a few episodes ago, like, I really enjoyed grumpy da fighting lads Finlay in WWE. Mm-hmm. I can't confess to have watched a huge amount of his very early WCW. You are more of the early WCW man than me. And mm-hmm. I haven't seen any, like, stuff before that either from, like, World of Sport or whatever. Uh, I think this came out of, like, we did a podcast um, with our good friend Alan Forel over on the Torch site, um, where this came up when we were talking about you know, who are we least impressed by, and it turned out the three of us really hate uh, Finley's WCW run, particularly at this mm-hmm. time. Now Alan extended that to just hating Finley, Dave Finley yeah. in general. But like I can't because I haven't seen a lot of his early career, I can't say definitively I hate the whole man's career. And because I used to get a chuckle out of him in WWE, particularly. Um, when Dave Taylor showed back up I love them 10 years older And just like When they're in that um, They were in that Booker ladder T. match Where Joey Where Joey Mercury's nose exploded um, Oh that's right um, Yeah yeah The whole gimmick Building up to that Was that the two of them Were afraid to climb ladders
2: Was it? I can't remember um, that Yeah I don't yeah remember, I don't remember that Because
1: um, they're old um, But hey yeah, but you, you definitely as well, definitely on the side of, like, we have not seen any... Like, Finlay comes out and he has absolutely boring, butland style heel performances in interminable mm-hmm. matches on Thunder. We have not enjoyed a single one since we started this show. Yeah, no, he's fucking... He's awful. He sucks. Yeah. We're not going to go full Benno and say name five good Finlay matches <laughs> and set our mentions on fire for a week but it's just been a thing we've observed and Chavo yeah, hang on. I don't think we'll, you, we'll have as much argument on Chavo
2: you say that but I'm going to put that into the discord now
1: oh god damn it <laughs> um, but Chavo I think we'll find much less resistance on I, I, I think a lot of people are on the I don't get the Chavo thing bandwagon um, so seeing the two of them wrestle each other is like oh Jesus Christ um, I I love as well uh, the lads very heen and early on here because he has already forgotten that the faces of fear were eliminated about three or four segments ago. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, today has this line in here about like, this is about as topical as, you know, friend of everybody Mike today gets where they mention you know, Finley being from Ireland, Dave Taylor being English and saying, well, I guess they've put aside the differences between those two countries, uh, to form this tag team. um, finley attempts to trick kidman into a code of honor handshake uh, which kidman refuses um we go to a break we're back finley and chavo are wrestling again for fuck's sake um chavo mounts a comeback with i will say and he does hit a nice looking drop kick um you can see the difference in uh sentiment towards these two wrestlers because when chavo tags out Kidman tags in and wakes up and comes alive. (laughs) Hits a lovely diving crossbody. Pin gets broken up. uh, Stomps, but Finley eye pokes, which kills the crowd. Like, every time Finley gets in charge, it's not like... It's not a heat segment, because there's no heat to it. It's not like they're like, oh, boo, we want the babyface to come back. It's like, right, okay, Finley is dictating the pace here. We're just going to tune out until Kidman does some cool shit again. See you later. Um... I will say though, to Finley's credit, what he does here in this middle part of the match with Kidman, I was quite into where they they do the angle mm. stuff. So Kidman kind of spills out, gets low bridge, and spills out over the top rope to the floor, and immediately starts selling his angle. And particularly, I think because it was like they cut, they edited the shots in such a way that like. You miss, quote unquote, the bump he takes on the floor. So you don't actually know if he legit twisted it, yeah, or yeah. rolled his ankle or whatever. And Kidman, again, for a guy who, not long in the business, fairly realistically sells the ankle like it's fucked. Um,
2: mm-hmm.
1: So Finley sends his blood in the water. He comes out and is aggressive. He's on top of them. He does the Kidman ducks and he chops the ring post spot, which, look, always fun. Um, always sickening but always fun Kidman hobbles back in They do a decent period of like Working the leg really slowly And wearing him down uh, Kidman like slowly crawling to the corner But Taylor spots it uh, And distracts Chavo So he does the you know The classic heel thing Where Taylor drops off the apron Runs around Knocks Chavo off mm-hmm. the apron So he's not in position By the time Kidman eventually gets there um, Taylor comes in then To continue the beating But I uh, I suppose a mark against Dave Taylor, much as what Finley was doing, working the ankle, makes sense. Fucking Dave Taylor, as if he hadn't seen the last three minutes of the match, comes in and starts working the arm. For, like that seems like a re- like that's a real. He's on autopilot and he's just doing yeah. a Dave Taylor
2: match thing. Like that for, that was for real, really, unknown, like, disappointing. unknown reasons. Just yeah, ignores all the work that had been done previously.
1: Yeah. Uh, Finley comes back in he knocks down Chavo Fa- Finley runs head first into the turnbuckle Chavo comes in illegally to do the double team him and the referee starts arguing Kidman goes for the shooting star press Taylor again crotches him off the top rope Finley goes outside while the ref is distracted gets a chair Chavo gets up on the top rope he goes to missile drop kick Finley in the back of the head but that knocks him forward El Kabonk with the chair into Kidman uh, Chavo gets disposed of uh, Finlay hits the tombstone and team, uh, they turn the weans against us, move on. Um, I, again, you know, we buried Finley just there a minute ago, but I think it was the most I've enjoyed Fit Finlay in a match. And it was the most enjoyable match that has featured either Finley or Chavo I've seen so far. It was just a good little tag match where... Apart from that little stretch with Dave Taylor working the arm, everything <laughs> made sense. The finish was really good to kind of like the heels are firmly established as still being cheating heels, but also with the miscommunication from the baby faces, it furthers on a story they're about to tell in a backstage segment as well. So I think like they put all the pieces on the board in the right way and made you understand why one team's going forward and one team is out um mm. so like pretty good job, I think, or am I crazy?
2: Yeah, no, they 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 wanted the story. They had a story they wanted to tell. That they did a good job telling it. I thought. Um, I still don't enjoy Finley. Uh, <laughs> yeah. In spite of yeah, it was a it was fine as a match. Um, I do hate that they pinned Kidman again. I think they could have told this very same yeah. story with Kit with Chavo getting pinned twice, not Kidman. But well, you know, WCW yeah. cruiserweight champion, so of course he has to get pinned.
1: Um, yeah you could have Had it where like Kidman was the Illegal man He still gets Elkabonked with the chair But yeah. that leaves Chavo alone With the two lads Who just Get him stone, yeah. yeah absolutely uh, We go back to The Glacier Negotiations um, And now That they've done A deal on The entrance And now he's Selling his gear Is like uh, uh, people, Someone should check In on Glacier He's clearly going Through some rough times um, I love He picks up His kind of Like his His uh Armor that he wears during his entrance, and perhaps the the most entertained I've ever been by the cat. Cat almost under his breath just goes, Man, I already got some hubcaps.
2: <laughs> um,
1: Kaz then walks by, he really wants the gear. Glacier says it will cost him 100, and Sunny, who is translating for him, says that's going to cost 25 grand. Um, the belt is going to be 1500 Glacier says Sonny tells him it's 15 grand and you know he's like I'll take it I'll take it Um, then we cut to Tory in the hotel she says you have nothing to be nervous of they get into the lift increasingly suggestively Um, then we have what should have been my favourite segment since the LWO house party the party yeah Lee, Lee You know I am a huge Film fan mm-hmm. um, You can see in my my Background here one of the things I got for Christmas Well myself and Emma got for Christmas Is um, a, a scratch off Poster of the top 100 movies of all time So we're scratching off what, Like I've seen most of them but we're scratching them off As we see them okay. together together uh, As a couple so like I'm getting to Kind of watch old movies Through new eyes which is great but uh Huge fan of cinema nonetheless. Um, One of the tropes I really love in, like, coming-of-age movies or uh, things like that is the try-on montage in a comedy movie where they, mm-hmm. they try on a bunch of different outfits. Um, And this is what we get from Canyon uh, and Raven. They arrive at the shop that Canyon describes as Versace, and yep. Raven is like, Raven calls him a maroon and says it's Versace, which is great because it also implies that Raven often shops at Versace. They do a try-on montage. My only complaint about that se- this segment
2: is it should have been three minutes longer. Oh yeah, they, they could have got so much more out of this.
1: Yeah, so they do the bits where he's coming out in various... Uh, New duds and he's doing different poses and they do the one like skit where they open the curtain too early and he's in his boxers and he's like covering up Um, yeah really funny stuff and the two of them like with their giant Versace bags walk out really happily and then head upstairs to somewhere else absolutely loved this little bit but like I said it should have been two or three minutes longer Mm Mm-hmm uh our next match disco versus gentleman chris adams lee like i know this guy like i think it's is it two years later he dies um chris adams is looking really rough on this year.
2: yeah he i thought it was a lot sooner than two years that he dies but yeah no he he's in rough shape he's not not looking good i mean is this the what the third time we've seen him on the run of thunder uh, third or fourth.
1: like He was on yeah. the very... F- he dies in 2001.
2: Oh, 2001. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, he, he just... He, he seems to get progressively worse every time we see him.
1: Yeah. Um, from a guy who, like... I'm not saying he looked a million bucks because he was in the first ever Thunder match against mm-hmm. Randy Savage, but he definitely looked like a TV-ready professional wrestler. Uh, and this is only, like... 13 months later and he looks in really rough shape like he's like his his colour is his sh- like he's looking a little bit out of shape he's looking a bit mm-hmm. blown up like I was kind of it really took me out of it um the lads in, this is the match where the the commentary starts to get distracted they have to apologise for Heenan because he does a joke about being at a Piggly Wiggly and he sees an employee laying out at the pool and said he smelled bacon cooking um as As Disco bails to the outside to take a breather and, for some reason, yell at Dave Penzer, uh, the lads mention offhandedly that the NWO laid out iron backstage last Monday. Uh, Oh, here is my favorite thing on the show. uh, So much so that I have to tweet it out because this is the most WCW thing that happens all weekly. This match is so boring, right, that... (laughs) And bear in mind It's a pre-tape So if this match is dull They could have just Cut a bunch of it out And cut it short And done this afterwards But they don't This match is so boring That they full on Fucking cut away From mm-hmm. the match To do more Backstage comedy With Glacier and the boys
2: And you know what I've never
1: I've never seen that like this in my life No
2: I've never seen that like it Where they just Full on cut away From a match Like normally They'd have it like Picture in picture No they just cut away Yeah and that's what They did at first That's what they did at first They did double screen For like a second I was like this is weird
1: And sometimes you'll do The cut away like Famously do you know When Austin shows up And beats the shit Out of the alliance And mm-hmm. like works his way Out of the ring When there's like a big Angle or something like this But no you're
2: cutting away From the match For a skit With a bunch of mid characters Hmm. And you know what? Arguably the skip backstage was better than the match. Definitely was.
1: Definitely was. Because uh, he's selling his helmet and then Cat is like, I want your eye. <laughs> it's like, what do you mean you can't have my eye? And he goes, and they eventually negotiate and he goes, okay, you can have the eye. Pops out the contact and he goes, do you know what? I'll throw in a free bottle of saline with that.
0: <laughs>
2: Who knew that Rocket I- from I Guardians like, in the Galaxy was inspired by the Cat in 1999?
1: Yeah oh well I knew I knew deep down um, and this is where I wrote in my notes I was like I can't believe this match is so boring that they just fucking bailed on it like they could have done this any other time in the show or just not done the skit or or just not shown the match on air but it's like they made a point to, to tell you essentially the match is so boring we can't pay attention to it
2: that tells you just how bad this match was I mean I've uh, you, you know you've classified me as the disco defender on the show um, yeah Disco doesn't annoy me half as much as he does you Like he's fine as a character I think Like he serves a purpose And he has actually got better as a wrestler In the, the year we've been doing the show But like th- th- Yeah you've
1: even heard me on occasion give. Th- him this is
2: bad This is real bad
1: This is real bad And I don't. I, I Again I, I love blaming Disco For all the faults in the world But uh, I can't put it at him because even within three minutes here, Chris Adams is mm-hmm. sucking air. Like, he has blown up. Uh, he goes for a super kick. Disco pulls the ref in the way. Adams puts on the break. Um, kind of Disco ducks out from behind the ref, kicks him in the knee, hits Jar and wins. And then Disco does a military salute into the hard cam. Okay. Uh is for we the Tori. Tori brings you into her room, which... Uh, They try their best not to show on camera is a twin room. (laughs) So you see two separate beds in the room, which is great. Um, She makes you sit down. She said she'll be right back. And then that is the last we see of Tori this whole night. So we have cut to Tori four different times. Mm -hmm. And it's like... I don't know about you, but the way I read these segments... It, I thought it was building to who she was in cahoots with... Who she was shacking up with... And they were going to show you at the end of the show... It's like, oh my god, she's involved with this wrestler... And, you know, she's going to be coming out as this guy's valet... That's what I assumed... Because that's that seemed to be the way this whole thing was going... But, like, now, again, because it's WCW... They may well just do another four or five segments like this on Nitro... And actually pay it off, who the fuck knows at this stage... But, like, I was like, when the show ended, because when they did this and then the main event started, I was like, whoa, that's weird. They're going to show, like, the culmination of the Tory thing mm-hmm. at the very end of the show. It must be a big name. And then they just don't.
2: Yeah. Well, at this stage, I can only assume that it's Alex Shelley.
1: <laughs> Any particular.
2: I mean, look, we've all seen paparazzi productions. This is shot very similar.
1: Yeah. Okay. Okay, well, that's our head cannon until Tori tells us otherwise. Uh, Then we get uh, Gene Okerland, who is in a spicy mood, uh, (laughs) here to talk to Kidman. He asks why Chavo let him down yet again. Kidman is like, no, 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 we're pals and Gene is having fucking none of it he's like no this dude is undermining you constantly and Kidman says no it's just miscommunication we're really good friends we've had some great matches and now we're a tag team we have an understanding Chavo comes in and he's just like hey what are you talking about and Kidman's like oh no it's fine you know and and Gene turns to Chavo and goes this guy says it's all your fault basically and Chavo like, what? Dex Kidman? I said, so you know whose fault it is? Yours. And walks off. And I was like, did Gene Okerlund just manufacture a feud between these guys? Well,
2: I mean, Gene has to keep things fresh on the hotline, so.
1: Yeah, because I thought what Chavo was going to say when he floored him was, you're damn right I did it on purpose. Yeah, but no. No. So, like, Gene Okerlund has turned Chavo heel. Yeah.
2: Gian, Gene, that at the start Incredible. of the segment, was like, Chavo's a piece of shit. He's awful in the ring. And Kidman's gone, ah, oh, no, he's yeah. fine. We're friends. And then he just buries him. He's just like, ah, oh, Chavo, this guy thinks you're a piece of shit. Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> this is like, you know, this is like the WCW version of the, like, the Millhouse Nelson guess who likes you yeah. thing. So now, like... <laughs> Kidman is inexplicably getting carted off in an ambulance over a misunderstanding. Uh, we get a very 1999 styled Bam Bam and Goldberg video package, but again, I think this does a really good job. It makes Bam Bam look like a fucking monster, and I mm-hmm. love it. Really good. Re- like re- re- really good production. Him yeah, killing people. Yeah, yeah. Really, really good. Um, Raven and Canyon, they're now back from the club. I think it was the Gold Room. It was the Gold uh, they Club, They had, like, wasn't a it? montage. The Gold Club, yeah, that's it. So they had a montage of them hitting various different night spots, but then when they get back to the house, it's still later that same afternoon, because it's broad daylight <laughs> when they're back in the house, and uh, Mrs. Raven is just back from her board meeting, so I don't know what sort of timey-wimey shit the two lads were doing. That Ferrari must be fucking fast, I'll, I'll say that much. Um... So she's back and she's talking to them And Raven uh, says the witch is back Uh, Somehow it's daytime again She says to Scotty That WCW called And they want him back to work I, again, us viewing Thunder I think we were unaware until this very moment That WCW had apparently sent him home I thought
2: he was just moping of his own
1: volition Obviously they
2: got sick of us moping around the back And sent him home
1: Yeah, I guess so uh, and then another sign that like they clearly don't uh, that the other characters can't hear uh, Raven Zach Morrising down the camera. He is right beside his mother, looks down the camera and said, she ain't too bright, uh, but walks off. And we are to assume that Raven will be returning to television promptly. Uh, We then see, uh, I don't know, were you as horrified as I was by this, uh, Lee? We go back to Nitro, and we see Roddy Piper winning the US title. I was like, whatever we say about how, like, Brett Brett can still have some good matches at this stage, health-wise, but, like, whatever hope we have of getting a stellar Brett match, we have zero hope of getting a good US title match with Roddy.
2: Yeah, um... Piper was washed at this stage. I mean, yeah, he's a big name. And I'm guessing it's Brett kind of doing a you know, returning the favours from WrestleMania 7 thing. And
1: yeah. And also <sighs> uh his budding feud with Will Sasso of Mad T V.
2: Yeah. Why well, why
1: Yeah. I it was it looked so low rent. Like, again, you know, all respect to, to Will Sasso, who was, like, um, I have found entertaining in things and was definitely a very entertaining early comedian on Vine. Remember Vine? Um, but, holy shit, compared to, like, last year, it was, like, Dennis Rodman, Carl Malone, Jay Leno. These were the stars that were coming in. Um fucking one of the early episodes of Thunder you were talking about how Roddy Piper was on Walker Texas Mm -hmm. Ranger with Chuck Norris um all this sort of shit uh the lads are on MTV and now you know god bless them. but you've got Will Sasso uh here in the in the front row uh it's not quite the same no it's really
2: not um yeah it's just fucking it's real fucking it's real bad (laughs) it's just
1: and then you get like speaking of real bad in prospect, uh, the commentary confirm as of thunder it is official it will be Scott Hall versus Roddy mm-hmm. Piper, uh, at the pay per view, and I know it's because like you know Piper is still allied with the NWO, so that is probably why the the switch. Um, but I, re- I really hope, especially in light of, you know, our last episode, which was Wrestling With Shadows, I really hope it was just Brett going, I'm not fucking doing the job for Scott Hall. Fuck it. Hopefully that's what it was. So, Lee, our next segment um, is <laughs> a-, a display of two things. One, uh, what a snake in the grass Hulk Hogan is. Uh, uh, two- three things, actually. Two... Uh, how their, how the wolf pack looks down on NWO black and white. And perhaps number three, yet another demonstration about how the last thing any WCW wrestler wants to do is actually watch the show.
3: <laughs> um,
1: because Ho- Hogan's plans would be immediately unveiled if anybody had been watching the show at all
2: this week or in previous weeks. And I love that the, it, it also points out that the NWO black and white guys do not actually talk to each other. And they all got... They all got summoned one by one to Hogan's dressing room.
1: Yeah, and that Hulk uh, absolutely, like, basically burying his own family as part of this plan. So it's firstly him giving Horace a pep talk, Mm -hmm. telling him to take over the black and white. Then he tells Adams the same. Then he tells Stevie Ray the same. Then he also tells Vincent the same. (laughs) Uh, And then, hauntingly, the Vincent segment ends with both of them agreeing that Vincent is the daddy and then he like you know he uh he gives hulk uh, a hug and as he walks off screen hulk is disgusted uh by having been hugged by him um we it, then the next segment is weird because it's the main event segment but like they do the main event pyro but then immediately cut away to page uh, DDP is in the green room over at NBC. He's going to be on later on NBC after Conan O'Brien mm-hmm. with uh, Rita Seaver, who I have, uh, I have no idea.
2: I, I I just had her down as Rita somebody. I don't know who it is.
1: Yeah. Um, so um, we have in the main event. Um, Sorry, here I accidentally deleted who <laughs> one of the teams is. It's uh, it's, it's Benoit and Malenko versus Kaz Hayashi and Van Hammer. Um, and I couldn't come up with anything better than Kaz Hammer for the two lads this time. I can't remember if I'd already come up with one. I before. thought we had
2: a name for them. That's why I, I, di- I didn't think of them. Did we? I thought we had one, but I, I can't remember what it was.
1: Before the next show, someone in Discord or on Twitter hold me to it. Or if you remember them from previous shows and could save me the effort, that'd be great. But uh, I'll go back and look in my notes and run through the list of stupid fucking names we came up with for these teams. Um, I, I wrote, when I saw Malenko and walker come out, I was like, Hey, look, one tag team of two good wrestlers. Can't wait to see them fuck this one. Yeah. Um,
2: I actually got... Got excited at a real tag team coming out together. It was it was incredible. Refreshing, wasn't it? Um
1: I was uh I thought it was funny. This match opens with Van Hammer trying to do a wrestle with Chris Benoit. That was cute. Mm-hmm. Um this goes through a break. Uh Kidman versus Chavo is confirmed for the cruiserweight title at Super Brawl. Be interesting to see what Kidman could get out of that one. Um in this match, Lee. And it didn't happen often enough in the match. But Kaz Hayashi versus either one of these guys slapped. Yeah, I absolutely. was very much enjoying when Kaz was in here with either of these guys. But almost it felt like deliberately to annoy us. Van Hammer spent a lot of time in the ring in this match.
2: It It's so weird because it, they can obviously see that Kaz is good. And they're trying to put him yeah. in situations where he can shine. But then, yeah. you know... They team him up with Hammer.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, have, I have always thought to myself, Lee, Kaz Hayashi is the father Larry Duff of WCW. He's tremendous fun. Uh, and this was very much demonstrated in this match. Um, outside the ring where fans, uh, they beg Benoit to smack hammer off the fence and he just like stares at them. He can hear them go like they're shining up the fence mm. real nice and then he just turns around and throws them back into the ring. I laughed. <laughs> um and then you hear at most
2: 3 men go boo. <laughs> <laughs> As he throws them back in. To be fair, knowing what we know, I wouldn't have built Chris Benoit.
1: No, no. Uh I As they get back into the ring, this is the point where I realised that um, two hours of being in a recording booth after this show was taped was too much. And uh, the three lads have become completely untethered on commentary. They are not focused at all. Um, This is where you mentioned it earlier on, but uh, Heenan mentions... that he is going to be named manager of the century, mm-hmm. uh, Tony, who is in dismay at this whole thing that like Bra- Brain and today are just bantering back and forth when the manager of the century comes uh, comes up, Tony is fucking disgusted, and that's where you know he says, "Do you think Hogan or Flair would be the wrestler of the century?" And he goes, "Well, do you know what? If they're going to name you manager of the year, I have no idea who they'd name wrestler of the century." <laughs> I was like, "That is like." You know, I know you're, you're doing it for KFA, but like, come on, Heenan, if he's not yeah, manager of
2: the century, he's up there. Do you know what I mean? He can give him a bit of credit, even if you still hate the man. Yeah.
1: Lee, give me your Mount Rushmore of wrestling
2: managers. Uh, Heenan, Heyman, Cornette. Yeah. And probably the fourth is... Oh, God. Um... I mean, I love JJ with the Horseman. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'd probably go with JJ. I, I like JJ with the Horseman.
1: JJ, Do you know who was um, an underrated one I loved, but it was because he was doing it during a title reign of a guy that I did not want to see for a single second longer as champion? Uh, Flair, when he was Triple mm. H's manager. Yeah, he was I good. really liked Flair was the part of the act I really liked again my favorite uh, Flair as a manager moment of all time was uh, in that horrendous elimination chamber match where they just killed Goldberg dead uh-huh. Um, after letting him be actual Goldberg for a few minutes the bit where Flair is holding the individual pod shut with his feet and he's balanced up on the thing and he's just flipping Goldberg off
2: uh, what a visual I, I would say Flair's best moment in that run was the uh, Wrestlemania skit where he's on the donkey yeah um,
1: so what were your four there again?
2: Heenan, Heyman, Carneth and JJ hmm.
1: where would you go on? because I know we've had the discussion about the diff- like, is a certain person a manager or a valet my fourth because the, the first three you've named there couldn't disagree with one bit what about Sherry? Sherry was more
2: of a manager than yeah, a valet. Yeah, she was, and I love Sherry. And that that
1: yeah. list of people she managed and she made them all better. Yeah, no, that you that's know? a
2: great show. But yeah, it's it's you that know? thing of where where does a valet become a manager? And yeah, I think the other four are traditional managers in the sense that they managed these wrestlers and and got them places. Whereas Sherry may have you know just been there with them, kind of. It, it's kayfabe, yeah. but you know whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah, an interesting one. Uh,
1: let us know on the Twitter or the Discord who are some of your. If you have other nominees for your uh, your manager Mount Rushmore, I'd like to hear it. Um, it basically, uh, this 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 match just ends. Horsemen get the the numbers game on Kaz, um, Van Hammer kind of taken out the mm-hmm. equation on the outside of the ring. Uh, Benoit gets to cross face in wins and again I was expecting either the payoff of like uh, Glacier selling his gear or the payoff of like who was Tory Wilson going into the hotel room with and so when the actual credits came up I was like oh yeah just over so I it's one of those feelings where it's just like I thought there was I wasn't looking at the progress bar at the bottom I thought oh there's going to be like a postscript to this there's going to be something happening and then it just ended and I was like oh okay right I guess (laughs) what do you think of that match though I don't Um, know didn't go go too long it was
2: fine it only went about eight minutes it was grand so I mean yeah I could have done with more Kaz versus the lads but sure look you take what you can get on these shows sometimes
1: yeah. and again look we've got two years left of WCW and hopefully we you know in the year that we have left with Benoit Malenko before they jump ship hopefully there's a singles match we get to see between Kaz and either one of them at some mm-hmm. stage because it has like high potential uh, to be a lot of fun um Lee your final thoughts on the show uh, and who were your big winners and losers for Thunder episode 50
2: um I thought that was a f- Fun little show, it kind of breezed by. I watched it all in one sitting, there was no kind of stopping and starting and wishing for death halfway through the show. <laughs>
1: yeah, which we have had recently. Oh, yeah, we have.
2: Um, winners and losers. I thought Disco and Chris Adams both just look fucking horrendous after that match. Um, yeah, winners,
1: and again, not, not Disco's fault this time for, for once. once.
2: Yeah, winners. Um, had a fun little debut, uh, yeah. There was no major standout winner for me in the show
1: No I But I do want to again um, Until the last match Say how refreshing it was To have the, the commentary team Like focused on the action In the mm-hmm. ring and building the pay per view At appropriate times in the commentary Rather than seeming that they absolutely Couldn't be fucked watching it Because mm-hmm. again what that does And we all know from trying to watch Modern WWE Uh, Is that when the commentary team Tacitly communicates to you That they don't give a fuck Why should you then? Exactly You know? Um, So yeah Um Uh, Our final bit, uh, the finish counter brought to you by Ludwig Borger. We had five matches on this show. Two clean finishes, one interference leading to a finish, and two miscellaneous shenanigans where a bit of like a, you know, weaponry or something like that leads to the finish instead of it just being straight up clean. So pretty decent return, no DQ count out. And again, we will always enjoy a Thunder where there wasn't a single NWO run-in leading to a finish. Uh, that might be mm-hmm. the first time That hasn't happened At any stage On a Thunder In a year Um, it's one of the first It's one of only a few times It's ever not happened In a main event But it might be the first time It's ever happened On a whole Thunder
2: Very possible actually Yeah now that you say it, That there was very little yeah. NWO stuff Throughout to show
1: Yeah Just that There was just that one segment With Hogan And that was it mm-hmm. Very refreshing Very refreshing Um Right, that's it for our debut episode of Days of Thunder on uh, the VOW Podcast Network. Uh, If you are not familiar with the release schedule of the show, I may have mentioned it up top, but uh, we post shows once every two weeks on a Thursday, so you can look forward to us coming back then. Until then, everyone, stay safe. Thanks for joining us. We look forward to talking to you again soon. Bye-bye. Thanks, everyone, for listening to another episode of Days of Thunder. Days of Thunder was produced by Lee Malone and edited by me, Dave Ryan. Keep up to date with the show and find all the ways to listen to us. You can follow us on Twitter at WCW Thunderpod or click the Linktree link in our Twitter bio or in the show notes. I am at the Day to Dave on Twitter and Lee is at Malone underscore 713. Days of Thunder is a part of the Voices of Wrestling podcast network. Follow the VOW network anywhere. Good podcasts are sold for more fine podcasts that you can shake a stick at. Thanks.